This show is presented by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and use the code... Nutsack. Nope. Then what is the code? Dangle. Dangle! That's correct for 20% off and free shipping. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Steve Dangle Podcast, powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. S-D-P-P. The Steve Dangle Podcast, with your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Let's go! You scooted over a lot, so now you're one shot's off, but, you know, it's okay. Do I need to... It's, oh. So when you have your one shot, lean over. There, okay. no, the other, no, go. There you go. Okay, no, go back, go back, go back. Lean this way. <laughs> this is very confusing. It's all right. Okay. It's okay. Welcome. Yeah, to the Steve Dangle to podcast. LFR. Oh nope. wait, what? Sorry. Uh, today's show is a little different. There's no Adam Wilde who is under the weather. He is. He is. We're all. Aren't we all under the weather? Technically. You know, if if you say that the weather exists in the sky, we are all under it. That's what I learned in science. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah, I sent it into a microphone. Is, is this a thought because uh, the weed stores have been opening more and more in Oshawa? No, in Oshawa and Whitby. Yeah. Sorry. How dare Ajax? <laughs> Ajax, Ajax! How dare Ajax. you? Ajax. Go west! Uh, Ajax, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Man, weed stores look like Aritzia now. Like, they're... Uh, really fancy they sell merchandise yeah whereas the one by my house or by my old house it made you very aware that you were buying something that was very recently illegal you haven't been downtown i guess because no. downtown they're everywhere of course and they all look like aritzias well yeah. there you go yeah, yeah. no it hasn't they're, come to the burbs yet it hasn't come all the way out to ajax yeah. we're getting some of that internet <laughs> Uh, today's show is going to be a little different because instead of like, sometimes we do like big, long topics, I have a bunch of short things that have been happening around the NHL that are so interesting because so many random players are off to hot starts, uh, random teams are off to hot starts, and there's been a bunch of little news that have been sprinkled out throughout yeah. the week. You know what I mean? The, the big stories s- swallow the small ones. Like You, you sort of asked me before the show, like, what do you want to talk about today? And I'm like, well, there's so many... Little things, mm-hmm. right? Like they don't necessarily need uh, a full twenty-minute segment, but like, can't we all just take a moment to like revel at 
holy shit, Tage Thompson got six points. Holy shit! <laughs> you, you know, like some, something like that. And yeah. the Sabres look like a wagon. And Like, let's give two minutes and just praise Tage for a second. You know, like that's the stuff we're going to be doing today. Yeah. But obviously we need to start with the big stuff. What's the big stuff? The Toronto Maple Leafs. Of course. Pontus <laughs> Holmberg, let's go. Pontus Holmberg. So uh, I guess let's start from the reaction from Monday. Because yeah. the Leafs get back to town. There's, according to the people who were there, it was two dozen reporters pile into the Ford Performance Center to talk to the Leafs because that the Sunday game, it was just a media storm. Monday, we get all of the takes from the Toronto media. Everybody goes to the locker room. Everybody's asking questions. Um, one of the ones that I thought stood out was um, a reporter asking Mitch Marner if he's playing for Sheldon Keefe's job right now. Do you want to hear that oh, one? Oh boy. Who asked that? I don't know who's asking the question, but let's let's play this here, one. Okay, here, here. Before okay. you play it. Okay. Because I don't want to be accused of attacking any one reporter. Right? Mm -hmm. So now I don't know who this reporter is. So I'm just saying this as a general observation. I've made similar observations before, so you know I'm telling the truth and I'm not picking on any one person. Teams hate this. <laughs> they hate days like this. And they pay very close attention to who is at every practice, who is at every game. There are people who are regular, like everyday people. There are semi-regulars. And then there's days like this where they just cover the big story, or they might cover the Leafs once a month because something's going really good or something's going really bad. The team PR knows this. Management knows this. The players know this. Like Austin Matthews commented on Terry uh, Terry Koshan's facial hair, like in in camp. These these guys know each other, and there's one thing I know: players cannot friggin' stand. It's getting asked questions like this from reporters they never see, and unless this is from a reporter they see all the time, we don't know who asked it. I don't know who asked. But it. to your point, that's the exact same thing uh, when I worked at Sportsnet because I worked there as well you sure for a did. brief moment. Um, we would talk about this. Yep. The trouble comes when you get the people who aren't there every day. The people who, who aren't at the aren't in the dressing rooms, aren't at the practices, and they come in and they're the news side and they start asking the question. Is there something wrong with that? For, it's, uh, if, if you want to poke holes at us for being a little gatekeepy of like the reporter job and the, we're the sports people, we're covering this, we're yeah. doing this, okay. But also... You, you're not here every day. You don't know. You're, you're asking questions that we think are out of line because you don't do this. And I think that's fair for us to judge you a little. And I think it's fair for hard J journalists to judge sports reporters a little yeah. bit. Because, you know, that's been a topic over the last year and a bit for far more serious reasons. But it's like, literally do your job. You know, so mm -hmm. I'm I'm excited to hear this clip. All right, let's play it. This is a reporter asking Mitch uh, if he's playing for Keith's job. Does you feel like you're playing for Sheldon's job right now? I don't know. No, I think we're just playing for our, you know, winning games. We're, we're a hockey team that wants to win games. And, um, you know, Kiefer's done an unbelievable job with this team when he's came in and, and done what he's done. And um, if you look at our numbers, we've really improved on a lot of things. And he's done an amazing job here. And um, it's been a lot of fun to play for him. And. Because you feel like you're playing for Sheldon's job. Oh, okay. I was like, whoa, he cut him off. Oh, no, the clip restarted. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the loop of the clip. I mean, that's, it's, that's, hey, 
Good answer for Mitch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good nothing burger right there. Um, take a big he bite. Did, he did a great job uh, maintaining his composure on a question that I think is a little, a little offside considering where we are in the season. He's got to know. He knows. Yeah. He knows it's, you know, 24 reporters. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, the the Leafs media day scrums I've been in. Yeah, I don't I don't think we got to two dozen reporters. Mm-mm. No, no, that's they all got to be prepared. And that's the, the Leafs staff who we've talked about before. Their PR staff has like a six, three and over rule. Like they're all really tall and kind of intimidating. And surely this is the sort of day where they step in and say, listen, you're going to get ambushed here. Just be ready. Um, the one thing that I've seen people very upset about is, uh, all the traveling reporters asked for Kyle Dubas to speak and he hasn't. Mm -hmm. And I saw Luke Fox just turning the knife a little (laughs) bit because Doug Armstrong is speaking to reporters. Yeah. He already did, uh, on, uh, yesterday. Yeah. But I think, I think there's different strategies there. And we sort of touched on this last episode in Toronto. Things need to cool down. And the GM talking right now, that's not going to cool anything down because those questions are coming down on him tenfold, right? Are these guys playing for your job? Sheldon's job. Could you fire Sheldon? Have you ever had anyone not? When was the last time you had someone not named Sheldon Keefe as the head coach of your hockey team? You know, stuff, stuff like that or not in your organization. Um, in St. Louis, maybe they got to light a fire a little bit. I would have confidence in Doug Armstrong to have a read of that room and for Dubas to read this one. Neither of those guys are new at their jobs, even though one is you know much younger than the other. Uh, I, I don't begrudge Dubas for not talking to the media. I, as a media member, that's the right move. I was trying to find the exact <laughs> quote from uh, Luke Fox here, but I couldn't pull up the Sunday. It was in the Sunday uh, post-game column that he wrote, and he, he wrote right. that request has been sent to Kyle Dubas to speak to media and it was uh denied by Leafs PR. Oh. So, well I mean it's a far more reasonable request than the first period of a first intermission of a playoff game. What is that referencing? Oh, there's there was a reporter who once asked for Dubas to speak first intermission <laughs> of a playoff game and they were very <laughs> upset that they were denied a their rather, their rather unreasonable request. All right. So, so the reaction to... If they had been at every game, they'd know that they would have been told no. The reaction to Sunday's game and, and everything that came out on Monday, I feel like none of it is unreasonable because of what has happened with this team over the last uh, three years and seven years and decade and 50 years. So I don't, I don't hate all of the hot takes. We had some of them ourselves. So yeah. moving forward, tonight they play the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Sheldon Keefe said that splitting up Matthews and Marner will be on the table if they don't turn things around soon. Mm-hmm. We didn't see that um, in the line rushes uh, in practice this week. They're not split up yet, but that's on the table. Nikki Bob is scratched. I don't like that. You don't like that. So what do you what do you think about the lineup tonight? Um, can you pull it up? Yeah, let me see if I can uh, pull it just, up. I know I read it yesterday. It? Uh, Siegel? Probably Siegel. Yeah. Uh, Alter. Alter's really good Alter's with that. Alter's great with the lineup, Alter. yeah. Um, I okay, so the discourse around Marner and Nylander and splitting up Matthews and Marner. 
I don't know why it has to be this line in the sand thing. And, you know, I know we've all taken hard lines. Like this fan base is at war at battle stations. You know, they're good or they're bad. It's time to panic. It's not time to, to panic. Hold. And Babcock refused to play Matthews and Marner together. And then he finally plays them together or Keith finally plays them together and they really hit their stride. Um, isn't the benefit of having an abundance of talent options? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with playing Matthews and Nylander together for like three games and then going back to the familiar duo of Matthews Marner? Like, I don't think, I think anyone saying separate Matthews and Marner permanently is wrong. And I think, uh, anyone saying keep them together permanently is wrong as well. Switch it up. Switch it up. Every good team in the league switches it up sometimes. A criticism of Keith has been that he is too willing to mess with the lineup. That has certainly been the case this season. Well, and then there's Babcock who never changed a thing. Right. A thing. Who refused to put them together. So here's, here's what we got. Bunting Matthews Marner. This I is the lineup tonight. Yeah, probably. Bunting Matthews Marner. Um... That's something that hasn't really worked this season, but has worked in the past. There's logic behind going to that. Kerfoot, Tavares, Nylander. I don't like that line. I don't think it works. To me, there's evidence that it doesn't work. So I don't like them going back to that. Engvall, Holmberg, Yarncroak. I'm going to reserve judgment because I want to see what this kid can do. He had two assists in seven games. Uh, with the Marlies. He looked way better than that in the preseason. Um, and Rasmus Sandin today, like one, th- one thing I definitely noticed about the team and their quotes today is they seemed a lot looser. So Sandin's talking about like Holmberg's pissed that he still hasn't scored in the AHL and, and, you know, Nylander's there just looking like a, you know, absolute legend. Like it, I understand why, People watch the team struggle and then they look at Nylander and he doesn't say a word and they're like, shut up. I think so. Not, I understand. Not to harp on this point, but that's the perfect attitude to have to play in the city. I yeah. think Marner struggled, I think, because he cares too much. He cares so much about winning and not letting people down and being a Toronto Maple Leaf that it's kind of detrimental to his play. Nylander has the perfect temperament to be a Toronto Maple Leaf because he doesn't give a shit. There's something Nothing, there. Nothing's going to take away from his game. There's something there. There's something there uh, with that. So Engvall, Holmberg, Yarncroak, all reserve judgment. And then Aston Reese, Camp, Malgan. I just don't think Aston Reese has done a thing to earn this spot in the lineup. And I would like to see, like, listen, I don't want Robertson on the fourth line, but Robertson, Camp, Malgan. I mean, Camp, we know, is an offensive threat now. And he can be a babysitter for that line. Malgan is a fast, offensively talented forward. And so is, uh, so is Robertson. So that, that I would like to see. I'd like to see Aston Reese establish himself tonight. What One thing I didn't understand about the moves that they made. So in order to call Holmberg up, they had to send Simmons down. Yes. And wouldn't it have made more sense to call or to send Robertson down instead of Simmons? Simmons makes more, I think. So it probably has to do with that. He does make 
more, but Zero. don't they need to be closer to the cap in order to get the most out of their, I'm sure there's a reason for it. Like yeah. the Leafs are obviously smart, like yeah. in, in terms of the cap and everything, but I just looked at it. Like if you're going to send a player down, it should be Robertson to get him games. So he's not sitting on the bench. Yeah. yeah. It is, and it's ironic because sending Simmons down actually costs the Leafs more actual money. Like forget the cap space. It costs them actually more money. Because his NHL money is guaranteed in the AHL, right? Whereas Robertson, I believe, has an AHL salary that is significantly below his NHL salary. But, but that's nickels and dimes. And those, it's not our money. I don't care. Those uh, That money is something they're not concerned about. What they're concerned about is the salary cap. And I was trying to see if uh, they are actually into LTIR and how much. But I guess they are. It's an It's an interesting... It's it's weird. We'll we'll find out some answers because it looks like Lilligren's going to play Saturday. It looks like he's ready, but he's just not eligible to come back because he was placed on. LTI. Is Saturday the day he's eligible? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's Lilligren's good. He's like an extra right now in practice and everything. Yeah. He's good to come back. And that's so. Let's go to the defense here because Mete uh, pencils in next to Riley. The the first pairing, the second pairing doesn't really matter. Uh, Alter had them listed: Brody Hall, Riley Mete. Either one could be the first pairing. Doesn't really matter. But where do you put Lilligren coming in after he's going to come in on Saturday? Who comes out? What do you think of this lineup that's going tonight? So Brody Hall, Riley Mete, Giordano, uh, Sandine. What I would do tonight is Riley Brody, Giordano, Sandine, and have Hall Mete on the uh, Ooh, I third don't know. pair. Just don't play them very much. <laughs> I don't think that's an Just, option for Keith. Well, then, well, great. Sounds great, man. No, I'd I'd go Riley Brody. You have to you have to at this point, the way Justin Hall is playing and his game and how nervous he looks out there, you need to shelter him with TJ Brody. Because TJ Brody mm. is is the biggest umbrella for anybody, any defenseman when it's raining. So like, Riley he's Lilligren? gonna protect you. Riley, yeah, I think Lilligren takes the Mete spot when he comes back on Saturday. They have too many guys on the right side who don't really play the right side. Mm-hmm. And Justin Hall needs to be sheltered. Like, yeah. There's no other way about it. I still, I think we can all agree that even if this team does get it back on track a little bit. Back on track. Th- they, they back on track suit. They have enough imperfections that they really should be making a move. There are some things, you know, I, I listen back to LFRs in the <laughs> podcast. And, uh-huh. and there are some things where I'm like, yeah, that was a bit harsh. But there are other things that I think were really true. And one of them is they just need to get, they need to get better at like two positions to make a huge difference. Um, I think they need a true to LW. They need a better option at right D, whether it improves the, if it improves the the second pair or the third pair, it doesn't matter. It'll shoot all the way up the six. Mm -hmm. Right. And I like the Holmberg call up because they do actually need, some sort of answer up the middle on the third line. So I don't know. I'm ready to, to watch them play Philly. I'm ready to watch them play. Uh, who do they got? You have Vegas and is it Boston? Or no, I think it's, I think it's Boston, Carolina, then Carolina, Boston, Carolina, then okay. maybe Vegas. Like, listen, you think the city's on fire now? Like you keep saying, or you last episode, you hammered. They're going to win Wednesday. They're going to win Wednesday. Gonna, yeah. If they don't, <laughs> they have Boston Saturday night, Carolina Sunday. It's brutal. Ew. Boston's the hottest team in the league. We'll get to them a little bit later. 
you look you look at that on your schedule and you go, okay, mm-hmm. three out of four would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Maybe even two. I I I think they're gonna win tonight because I think every single time we're at our lowest with the Leafs, they somehow manage to pull us back in. Whether it's do you remember the Chicago game from last year where they won in an OT? Yeah, and that then, was the turning point of the season. And then they went at that point, it was the lowest point. Like we yep. were all so down on their slow start. And this seems like the game where the Anaheim game, we're at the bottom of, of the chart of the stock market there, and then it's gonna start going back up again because that's every single time that's what the Leafs do. And you know, you and Adam dismissed what I said about magic, but Marner <laughs> wins that game in overtime, like Gibson never makes that save. Oh. What a different discourse. Yeah. What an enormously different discourse because the turning point last season was the Leafs playing poorly and then winning two games against weak opponents by the skin of their teeth. And then they rode that 15 and two. Yeah, it was, I want to say it was Chicago in overtime and Detroit in either overtime or shootout. Yeah. Like by the skin of their teeth. That wasn't the Detroit game. That was like seven to five. Right? No, that no, was no. Later ten in the seven. Ten seven. Oh my god. Ten gosh. seven. It was a Saturday night. That was a that was like a March game. It right? was. I don't remember exactly when it was. I just remember mm-hmm. I was live streaming it, and you know, you can rip on me for the negativity, but the further or the 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 more the Red Wings came back. The numbers just went doot, 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 doot. Like, people just want to, like, literally see me die on camera, I guess. (laughs) Like, and, like, I felt the pressure. I rarely feel pressure during those streams, but when the numbers, like, double, which they did. And you're like, oh, 10,000 people are watching me. It's it's not just that 10,000 people are watching (laughs) me. It's 10,000 people came here specifically for this. Yeah. It's it's, uh, Did you hit 200 on your... No? Is it getting there? It's getting there. So I have an idea for, we, we talked about this mm-hmm. and do you want to mention? I'm it? not ruining the surprise. It's, uh, sure, it's, sure. I'm teasing it. So YouTube has this here. Maybe I should send it to you. I'll send it to you right mm-hmm. now. So you can put it up on the screen. There it is. Bluetooth. So <laughs> is that going to come through on the show? No. The beep sound? No, 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 it's not. Okay. So YouTube now has a chart, um, that, shows you your subscribers going up over time. And I've been doing this for so long that I, my channel predates the chart. Like it, it begins in September, 2009. My channel started October, 2007. Right. So the first two years have no data. Oh, it, says, it says the, uh, it was canceled. You it was canceled. Air, airdrop me again. One more time. Damn it. Here you do it. There it is. Um, it says, uh, (laughs) anyway, so basically I was looking at it and I was like, okay, I know when I got hired at Sportsnet. I know when the David Ayers game was, I know when the Nashville game was nine two. I know when the Montreal series was, I know, I know when the playoffs are, I know when the summers are. And I, I think it's going to be really interesting when I hit 200 K, I want to look at the peaks and valleys of the channel over time. Because it it lives and dies by what the Toronto Maple Leafs go and do. Yeah, just just so on the screen, the screen for right anybody now. watching the podcast on YouTube, we have Steve's channel growth of total subscribers over time, and the time period is 2007 to 2022. But you started your channel in 2005. But seven 2007. Oh, 2007. But the chart doesn't go to 
2007. It starts in 2009. Okay, that's where the two years I got confused. So yeah, it doesn't go to 2007, but it starts in 2009, and we see all of these little little shelves and these peaks and valleys of where you got a whole bunch of new subscribers. And you were telling me before that uh, Montreal is one of the big ones. David Ayers is one of the biggest ones. Montreal is the biggest. It's the biggest subscriber climb. The biggest view climb was Ayers for Mm -hmm. obvious reasons. Although Montreal was a uh, number two do you know top five top five subscriber climb? subscriber climbs. no so this is going to be part of the fun is i'm going to go in and look okay um but like what what i think is really cool for like if you're a broadcasting student okay i don't have my glasses on what year is that right 2015 there. 2015 look how low it is what happened no no what happened is it took eight years for me to accomplish anything <laughs> oh, you mean like it's just low in comparison to where you are now? Yeah, but like look how sharp. Like there there's a there's a moment in there. And honestly, the moment is right around when the podcast started doing video. Mm-hmm. And and we're not even talking about the podcast channel. Like we could we could do this for the podcast when we hit 100k, hopefully this Coming season. Up, like and subscribe to this YouTube video. Yeah. This YouTube channel. Thank you. Please do. Please click like, please click subscribe. <laughs> please tell all your friends. Um, but I, I don't know. I, maybe it's, uh, what does Jeff Merrick always say? It's a little bit, uh, navel gazy. You're looking at your, eh, Hey, here's my navel. I, I don't care. I don't care. I think it's cool. And I'm going to celebrate myself I by think having a look at the channel. It's your YouTube channel. I think you can make a video about your YouTube channel on your YouTube channel. But I there's moments the we went fun. through together. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Hey, remember going through this game? That sucked. Hey, here's the Carolina game. Here's Leo being born. <laughs> I can do ridiculous stuff like that. Yeah, and I think the people who watch your channel will care about the history of the channel. Yeah. <laughs> like, is there's people... I have to keep reminding myself that there's people who haven't been here for all 16 years. Oh, yeah. This is the 16th I, season. I, with, this, with this podcast, like, I forget that people just discovered it recently. And they don't get everything, <laughs> like all of the jokes we make that are like five and seven years old. Like some people just don't get it because they're new. Uh, last episode, Adam talked about Gary Roberts and having someone like Gary Roberts in the Leafs lineup. The peak of Gary Roberts in Toronto was 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's long 2002. time. 2002. Even like this, we're coming up on the Sundean era being too far gone. It's already. You think so? Yeah. It's already way too far gone. He was only a Leaf for one season of LFR. Mats? Yeah. 0708. That was it. That was wow. his last season as a Leaf. Wow. And then 0809, he was a Canuck and then he retired. And then 2007 is 15 years ago now. Yeah. 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 That's a long this time. This is season 16 and that was the first one. Yeah. So, yeah. Jesus. We're old. Yeah, we are. <laughs> it's. Um, you know what, what else has been fun is, so, you know, maybe moving on to other teams, but it's still related to the Leafs. Kessel with his Iron Man streak, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. Like we're giving him his flowers and spurts. He played game 989 in a row and then 990 to set the record. And then he scored his 400 and then he's going to hit a thousand. But I looked at the, the game that his streak began. It was November 3rd, 2009 against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. And there were only four players in that game on either team who are still in the NHL. Mm-hmm. There was Phil Kessel, who was the oldest amongst those players. Um, 
a rookie Victor Hedman, uh, a sophomore Steven Stamkos, and a sophomore Luke Shen. Those are the only guys from that game who are still in the league. That's a long time ago. It's a very long time ago, man. Uh, Luke Shen. Like, there's a guy who nobody thought was going to stick around for this long oh. and is still contributing NHL. Last night, uh, he got tossed, I believe, from the game in, in Vancouver. Yeah, he got in a fight. Yeah. So. <laughs> but um, there's a guy who, you were, after that run in Toronto, you were like, oh, he's done. You know, he's going to bounce around the league and be out for uh, in a little bit. But he's still here. He's still doing a props to, to Shen. Uh, 873 career NHL games. He's going to hit a thousand games. He might. He might. He's still, he's got to play two and a half seasons. That's a long time. It is a very, but would you, if I sat here and said, Luke, Luke Shen's two and a half seasons away from a thousand NHL games, you would have been shocked five years ago. Well, 2018, between 2018, 19 and 2019, 20, he played for three different AHL teams. He's, I thought he was done. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Luke Shen's got the dog in him. He's got that dog. He's got that dog in him. And we need to move on to the Ottawa Senators. Okay. Because they made news yesterday. I don't Ah. know if you caught it, but the Ottawa Senators are going to have new ownership. As we all suspected, uh, they are looking to sell the team after Eugene Melnick's passing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe it is in the hands of his daughters now. His family. in In the family and the trust. And Sportico did the reporting on this and they valued the team at $655 million American. Which uh, should be, that seems like it's undervalued for a sports franchise these days. Yeah, they got a lot to do though. They need a new building. I think, uh, I think it was Friedman who made this point. You wait till the sale to before doing the sale. Well, you get the building first. You get the land. Oh, okay. You get the building. Then you do this sale. Then that six fifty five becomes eight hundred nine hundred. Yeah, eight eight fifty nine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I we all sort of thought this was coming, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not surprised in the slightest. Like it barely registered with me. But uh, you know, good. I I gotta imagine it feels good for the family to kind of move on. You know what I mean? Um, and you could still be Sens fans and, you know, it'd be nice for the Melnick family to maybe continue to be a part of things if, if they want to be. Um, but yeah, we all knew this was coming. Yeah. We all knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, there's some, there's some rumblings, some musings about, uh, if the LeBreton flats deal falls through. Uh, there's a man by the name of Tillman Fertitta, who once, I believe, owned the UFC, who now owns oh. the Houston Rockets. Buying the Sens? And moving it to Houston. Nah. Nah. The response to that is that the Ottawa Senators have a strong fan base in Ottawa, and there's no desire to move this team, despite whoever buys it. That'd be a but huge mistake. It would be. Like, that is a storied franchise for the NHL, and they need to remain in Ottawa forever. Well, and a big, a big fan base in a big city. Like Ottawa is growing really quickly. Um, it's big in terms of landmass. Literally, all they've needed this entire time is a building in a proper place. <laughs> they like listen. If you make a building a pain in the ass to get to, people aren't going to go. Mm-hmm. We've seen that in Scottsdale, or sorry, Glendale, the other Dale. We saw that in, in Glendale, and we're seeing it in Ottawa. 
The difference is maybe in Ottawa it wasn't quite as pronounced. Uh-huh. Um, in real estate, over the, as long a period of time. In real estate, the old the old adage is location, location, location. Yeah, and they built something with a terrible location, and for decades now we've been asking the Sens to freaking get a building so that people can go to the games. And it seems like this sale of the Senators is going to be the best thing for Sens fans. Yeah. Because it's finally, we're moving on from Melnick. We're moving on from that regime where you lost some of your greatest alumni from the organization. And you didn't, yep. Alfredson didn't speak to the team for a decade. You yep. know, we're, we're moving past that finally. And we're getting to this new era of the Sens where they're going to have a new owner and hopefully they're going to have that. They're going to have that new building on the red flat. 100%. Well, and so it's, you know, the Leafs lost an era of alumni, but they have a lot of eras to draw alumni from, right? The Sens, I mean, you lose Alfredson, you lose Chris Phillips, like you're losing your whole history, basically, mm-hmm. in terms of on the ice. Yeah, they, they got to bring them in. Like, listen, are the Sedins doing an amazing job with the Canucks? I don't know. But it feels right to have them there, doesn't it? It the the has got there and the team went in the toilet. I <laughs> highly doubt it's their fault, but I don't think they have anything to direct like it's not their fault directly. Yeah. But it's just bad luck, I guess. Like, I I mean, I don't think former players should be every GM in the league, but I do think a team's most beloved figures throughout the team's history should be involved with the team somehow do you want to run through some of the franchise values that came out yesterday as well sure because that uh was also released on sportico along with the uh report that the sends are for sale we should look into buying the sends yeah i think if we put our pennies together we might be able to get it for like 100 bucks okay we'll see we'll see um so here is did they just have a list? I, I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, they just had their list here. Let me pull up the list. Oh, Adam doesn't do anything. Shut up. <laughs> See how hard it is to do a show just us two? <laughs> yeah, no, we greatly miss Adam Wilde. We we don't get his uh, devil's Who is takes upstairs? today. Yeah, because we record in his house. Man, people did not have humor about what he said about the devils at all. Nope. And that's okay, because I think he stands by it. Yeah, but like, <laughs> they're like tagging us in it, and like, you guys are stupid, and I'm like, Jesse and I disagree. <laughs> yeah, we like the devils. <laughs> but there was another one, Adam got blamed for something that I said again. Um, This was separate, and I'm like, why does everyone, stop picking on my friend. Yeah, stop, stop picking it. on Adam. Stop it. he's a good guy. Alright, <laughs> I got the list. <laughs> so, uh, Sportico's list of the uh, top NHL franchises by value. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs come in at number one to no one's surprise. They are worth $2.12 billion less than the Toronto Raptors. I'm a little surprised. What do you mean? Uh, just because it's, there's so many Canadian dollars in there that it surpasses the Rangers. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's a very good point. I said to no one's surprise, but I guess it's considering, uh, the, who, the, what the, franchise of the new york rangers is and toronto being in canada you have to overcome the exchange rate yeah to pass the rangers a team that plays out of madison square garden mm-hmm. that's no small an feat. original six team that's that has the legacy that the rangers do like you'd think that 
they would be able to just push past the Leafs just by being in America as well. Yeah. It's a big deal. Um, so yeah, the Rangers are in second. They're worth $2.01 billion. The Canadians are in third, 1.7. The Ca- Black Canadians Hawks. are maybe, the, sorry, the most remarkable team there, especially among the top three, because Montreal's a lot smaller than both those markets, and they have the Canadian dollar factor. And with these things, I like to imagine, like, okay, something dire happens. Jeff Molson has to sell the Montreal Canadiens. Someone's coming in there, and the 1.7, I think, is under undervalued. Someone's coming in there, some rich dude who's a Canadian and wants that team, who's a billionaire. He's paying like 2.5 for that. No. The Montreal Canadiens to own them? Relatively new 2. building. 2.5 billion. Damn. Easily. Easily. Chicago Blackhawks is 1.4. Uh, Boston's 1.4. That seems a little low to me as well. Uh, the LA Kings, 1.3. The Flyers, 1.3. The Oilers, 1.2. The Caps, 1.2. I mean, they got McDavid. They got McDavid, yeah. They jumped uh, one spot. They used to be in nine. They're, they're now in eighth. Uh, the Caps are in ninth, 1.2, uh, 1.22. The Red Wings are 1.1. Red Wings at 10 is a bit surprising. Um, I think if they go on a run of success, they'll, uh, they'll shoot up, especially with the brand new building. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Detroit has been the most... Uh, valuable place to own a sports team if that makes sense i guess uh, yeah i guess the community's kind of gone through it i don't think yeah it's been the biggest uh market and the best place to own a sports team and it's unlike like you look at the top 10 there that we just list off we list off chicago boston la those are some of the biggest cities in north america edmonton's pretty tiny to, to be in that top 10. But it's hockey. And, yeah, I guess when you look at it from, There's, from that perspective, like Edmonton's 1.29, Detroit's 1.12. Well, and like Edmonton's under a million people. Mm-hmm. Boston's under a million people. Boston's like the same size as Winnipeg. No one knows that. It's just they have a way bigger um, metro area. Metro area, yeah. yeah. And all the schools are there. You got a lot. Of, you got a young demographic. Yeah. Uh, we go down the list. We go down to the very bottom. Uh, according to Sportico, at thirty second, their franchise valuation, the Arizona Coyotes come in at four hundred sixty five million dollars, which is like pennies. It's impossible for a sports franchise. It's impossible to buy a sports team, eh? Like you can be worth nearly half a billion dollars and be the Coyotes. Yeah, but that's that's so cheap. For a North American pro sports team in the big four, 465, they got to be, I think, in last place amongst MLB, NBA, NHL, and NFL. Because no, every NFL team, they win. There's uh, some sad sack in, uh, MLB teams. That's true. Like if How you're, much are the Marlins worth? <laughs> the Florida Marlins? Or the Rays. <laughs> Let me see. I can pull it up. I can pull it up. <laughs> Uh, let's see. We don't. We don't have to spend too much. No, time no, no. I want to know. I want to know. MLB franchise values. Hopefully, Sportico also did a list, so then it's uh, about the same. More people metric. are talking about moving the Rays than the Coyotes. The the Rays are yeah. They've been. They can't draw. They can't draw fans, even though they have a fantastic team. All right. 
I've gone to the bottom of the list. The Miami Marlins. Did you look? I can't read from here. Awesome. <laughs> the Miami Marlins are in 30th place, according to Forbes. 30th out of 30. 30th out of 30. They're Forbes MLB franchise value rankings. Okay. What do you think they are worth? The Arizona Coyotes, once again, are valued at $465 million. What is the last place team in the MLB valued at? 575 990 million dollars it costs a billion dollars to buy the least valued mlb team where where would that put them on the nhl list 990 990 990 makes you the right behind the canucks so the 12th most valuable nhl franchise okay that's not as high up on the list as i thought that's still pretty pretty high yeah (laughs) wow 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 so yeah, the NHL's got some work to do. Can't wait for that lockout. By the way, screw you and Adam for having that agent <laughs> provocateur with Alan talking about the lockout and when it's going to happen. Uh, yeah, let's talk about agent provocateur for a second. But before we even do that, what, your chair goes all the way back and it throws me off. It, oh, mine? My chair that I sit on to the left because I'm in your chair right now. Uh, mine doesn't. Mine stops. To take pressure off my spine. I, <laughs> uh, I like a good lean. It's very annoying. It I do that off. in the car. My wife hates it. So yesterday, an episode of Agent Provocateur dropped. And the title of the episode, Steve. Is no fun time <laughs> with Alan Walsh, Adam Wilde, and their son, Jesse Blake. The title of the episode is... Is the NHL headed towards another lockout? Cool. So it was a really fun episode because Adam and Alan, they allowed me to be on the show. They said before the show, uh, Alan was like, Jesse, why don't you come on? And this is going to be a full questions episode. It's just going to be me and Adam. We're going to be taking questions and talking about things that people have wanted us to talk about for a while now. And he's like, come on, ask some questions too. And I was like, yes, please. I'll definitely do it. Of course. I started to listen this morning. It was the three of us on the show, and we did a deep dive into a lot of things that people wanted Alan to just go off on, including uh, the NHL lockout that seems like it's imminent. Oh, does it? (laughs) He outlines how Gary Bettman consistently over the last several lockouts has had a plan to lock out the players. That has been his strategy to get what he wants. So... Uh, when they implemented the salary cap, that lockout, he wanted the triple hard salary cap. So you could, that's what we're getting. That's what we're getting in this league. And the offer that he offered the players when it was coming down to the deadline of like, hey, we're, we're either going to get a deal done or we're going to lock you out. His offer wasn't a real offer. His offer was something so ridiculous and outlandish that you would never accept it. But he gets the perception in the media uh, to the to the owners to the players that and I came to the table with a great offer, you know, and so Allen's I don't I don't he's not worried, but he's he's showing us that we should all look at this as Gary's going to get what he wants through a lockout because that is what he has done throughout history, time and time again. So twenty four twenty five, yes. What a what a scam! <laughs> because dude. What, what have you guys been saying for months? That's exactly when the cap is going to go up. Mm-hmm. And then the players are going to get locked out. So the cap is going to go up because the players paid the owners back. The cap is going to go up and then they're going to get locked out. 
What a scam. What an actual scam. It looks like this time Gary's sticking point is going to be clawing back uh, HRR, hockey-related revenue. Mm-hmm. So currently, I believe the split is 50-50 or 51-49. Do you so know correctly? It's close to 50-50. It's, it's pretty much 50-50. 50/50. Yeah. And I think he's going to try and push for something like 60-40. What a scam. So if, if, if history repeats itself, and Gary gets what Gary wants, because he is, is the evil man who gets whatever he wants, we're probably going to look at a lockout until he gets that number somewhere closer to 60-40. You got a kid who's an who's a elite athlete? Play something else. <laughs> play something else. Like, please let me love you. Do you play for the Miami Marlins? Yeah, go play for the Miami Marlins. <laughs> Play in front of 45 people every night and make $20 million. (laughs) Yeah. So go listen to that episode. It's out right now on your favorite podcast app. It is out as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash SDPN. Go to SDPN.ca to see all the fun things that we have going on. What a a bad faith scam. The cap's (laughs) going to go up and then there's going to be a lockout. So the cap could go up as early as next season based on the numbers so that'd be cool but significant significant we'll see we'll Uh, see where it goes whenever they whenever they're like oh yeah cap's going up by a million dollars i'm like okay Mm -hmm. that's no it's not gary alluded to a significant jump at the last board of governor meetings if the players meet all of the requirements yeah did he allude to the lockout no he would never do that he would never show his hand he really he really does think we're all stupid listens to gary bettman and and just at face value goes got it no one no one if he told me he was showing up at four o'clock for something i would just plan for him to never come jeez he's a lawyer and he knows how to lawyer so we got to do our little segment here where i just want to run through some of the hot starts going around the league okay first i'm gonna throw this note out eric carlson's back Yo, holy shit. <laughs> he had one good game, and I'm like, okay, good for him, whatever. We all knew it was there. I didn't I didn't know this was there. He I, is, I thought this was long gone. Uh he dedicated himself in the offseason to a complete rehab. You know, he said he's he's working his way back. He's not ever gonna be uh Eric Carlson of four years ago, Ottawa Senators Eric Carlson that we're watching. But his offensive power seems like it's returned in that he can get to where he wants and he can join the rush. He can enter the play and he can, he can finish, mm-hmm. which is just incredible. So the numbers he has right now on the year are, if HockeyDB wants to load, he has nine goals. Nine goals is important because last what? year he had 10. He had 10 the whole season. Oh my gosh. In 12 games, Eric Carlson has nine goals, six assists, 15 points on his the back end playing D dude his offensive power is back easily easily and like if he's not the greatest defensively that's all right he never was that's okay well that's not true he never was but like he was not known to be the strongest in his own end necessarily but he made up for it with this unbelievable offense and how about that fucking goal uh Timu Meyer scored yeah ridiculous ridiculous goal and i feel bad for the anaheim ducks because they don't 
play defense in, in any sense of the word. <laughs> like watching watching those highlights, watching that game, you're just you're walking through the defense at all times in Anaheim. You talk about a slam dunk, dang it. Uh, Jakob Silverberg absolutely sniping on his own goalie. I missed that one. You didn't see that? No, no. He grabs the puck. Uh, I think the Sharks were trying to cut into the slot. He takes the puck off someone and he tries to ring it around the boards and instead beats his own goalie like right <laughs> under the block. <laughs> okay, I'll see that one a day. Or right under the glove or something. Oh, like, goodness. Yeah, no, it's a snipe. Great oh, goal. God. Great goal. Uh, Scored on his own goalie with a shot. I feel bad because uh, Zegras and, and Terry have been, inc- they've been really good. Zegras is nasty. Zegras is, he's going to be a player for a long time in this yeah. league. But in terms of Eric Carlson's numbers and the pace he's on, the last time Eric Carlson had 20 goals in a season was 2014, 2015. Wow. And having nine goals in 12 games, it looks like he's going to hit that. And that's, you go back to your. McDavid wow. wasn't in the league yet. How many years in between is that? 2015 to 2022? Seven years? It's, I think it's eight seasons. Eight seasons. How often do you see a player go back to their eight seasons ago form? What he's doing is is really really cool. Twelve games in. I think it's I think it's a couple things, right? Like, listen, scoring's gone up. Mm-hmm. It's gone up. Uh, six point games and all these hat tricks. I I know there's a little bit of early season shine, but like. Rasmus Dahlin scoring in five straight games. Greatest defenseman of all time, Rasmus Dahlin. McDavid is averaging a goal and an assist a game. McDavid's next. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> like, um, but with the way things were going last season and obviously creeping into this season, it seemed like the NHL was starting to be built for a guy like Eric Carlson after Eric Carlson's abilities had left him. They're back. And, like... You know, uh, I have incredible admiration for professional athletes who are able to do this because they're able to do this at the most elite level. And by this, I don't mean perform and score. I mean, like rehab your body uh, and come back like my own personal journey. Like, I think a lot of you, what you know about me is I have a bad back, but like, that's it. I had a chronically bad back from the time I was like 13 till now I'm 34, mm-hmm. but I really, really, really fucked it up in 2018 in the spring of 2018. It got better and it got to a place where I was kind of chronically uncomfortable. Um, I would, I would hurt it every so often, but I could get it to a manageable place where I could just live my life and do what I needed to do. And I kind of feel like that's sort of where Eric Carlson was at for a while. Um, where it's like, okay, this isn't optimal, but it's manageable. There are days where I feel, feel normal. There are days where I don't. Then in 2020, when I screwed up my back shortly after Leo was born, I'm not sleeping. I got a newborn at home. My body's not recovering. I was just like, I couldn't walk properly for like over a month. Right. So I really had to dedicate myself to rebuilding my body. And I'm still not all the way there, but I'm miles better than I was. And it's taken two years, two years to build my crummy podcast body (laughs) up to a place where I'm not in pain every single day. I can only imagine how difficult it's been for Eric Carlson. Who's a professional athlete. Who's a professional athlete. And he went through COVID like the rest of us. And 
his own personal tragedies and dude, like he's, he's had a really tough go of it. It's great to see him back. The sport's better with him in it. Yeah. And you love, you'd love to see when they go through that journey and they get to the other side, like with, like with you, like it's so it's inspiring and it, it gives you a sense of joy to, cause you, when it was peak Eric Carlson, it was, it was, you'd watch the highlights and you'd be marveled at what he can do. Mm-hmm. And you, you're sad when that magic goes away. And to see it come back, like it brings that same joy again. It's awesome. Yeah. It's a, it's a great start for the year for uh, Eric Carlson. You mentioned Connor McDavid in there. The first two thoughts on 32 Thoughts, which is going away, by the way. Did you, did you hear? What? No. Yeah, Elliot's ending 32 Thoughts. He's doing... Um, what? Yeah, he's changing the blog itself. Yeah. Uh, he's changing it to where he's doing smaller just articles now. He said it was a little... He talked about it on uh, Friday's episode of the podcast with Jeff Mayer. Mm-hmm. Um, it became a little too time-consuming. Um, it was taking a little bit of time to fill through 32 thoughts each time. And it came to a point where there's too many o- other obligations as being a rights holder at Sportsnet. You got to do TV. You got to do all... You got to do podcasts, all that That's other stuff. That's got to be hard. So, yeah. Well, because he's... He's banking stuff for a week. And for some stories, it's not a week. It's several. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I've rarely read through a 32 thoughts and not been like, how the fuck? Where did he find the time to write all this? Yeah. This is really long. Sometimes it's like, uh, it's 25 thoughts that have been stretched out to 32 because that's just the number or whatever, you know? That was one but- thing Mike Cormack, who's now with the Toronto Star, was with The Athletic, was with Sportsnet. Um, he hammered into me like, no, you got to be more concise with your writing. Cause I would, I'd write flowery and, and long and, and everything. And then 32 thoughts would come out and I'd be like, what the hell? That's the most <laughs> successful thing we have. Yeah. It's number one blog. And it's 90 million words. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, good, good for Elliot. So it'll, his writing is going to change, but that's a, that's a side point okay. as, as I quote, uh, 32 thoughts see this one here actually it's already begun to change because this was 23 thoughts oh so he's already he's already dialed back it's already changed a little uh number one and two of the 23 thoughts this time uh connor mcdavid has 11 goals in 10 games on pace for 90 just imagine how incredible that chase would be oh so he's gone up from when i read his stats oh yeah because he scored a bunch last night <laughs> <laughs> he he was on fire. It was a great game. Um, seriously, think about it. McDavid took 314 shots last season. His career high by 40. He's on that trajectory once again and shooting at a ridiculous 30%. The NHL record is 32.8% by Charlie Simmer in 1980-81. He scored 56. Charlie Simmer. Charlie Simmer. I thought it was Craig Simpson. Oh, no. Craig Simpson's uh, career. No, okay. Career. The single season is Charlie Simmer. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, is that Craig Simpson's nickname? I don't think it is. No, that's... I was like, Simmer I get, but where'd Charlie come from? No, I'm just reading the note. Okay, my bad. So, uh, Connor McDavid, I don't know if he was in the offseason and said, hey, I'm just going to do more scoring on my own. Yeah. But that's what it seems like he did. Yeah. And he's now just on the rush all the time. And it's unstoppable. This, it's, a, it's a continuation of, of what the Oilers had to adjust to in the playoffs, where Drysaddle couldn't really move and do the Drysaddle things that he needs to do. 
Um, so Evander Kane picked up some of that slack, but McDavid's picking it up and it was either Frege or Merrick, um, on one of their shows, CJ might've said it too, is like, what if McDavid just decided to score more? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to play make. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm just going to score more. If the lane's there, I'm going to take it. No one's going to beat me because I'm Connor McDavid and I'm just going to score. And now he's scoring at over a goal a game pace and it's November now. His goal pace is going up. Up. Now, he did this last year where we talked to him and Drysaddle did this last year where they were on like 180 point pace and we were talking about are we going to get the first 150 point guy uh, since Yager, I think. Uh, and he ended up at uh, 123. What a bum. But it shows you how hard it is to get to that pace and maintain it throughout the season. He's obviously feeling great. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see how long he keeps it up. I Listen, Matthews won the heart. Matthews scored 60. It was really cool. It's McDavid's league. He's well on his way to another heart trophy. Another Art Ross, and honestly, maybe his first rocket. I think it's a it's a mission for him this year to win the rocket. And I think I'm trying to think about how in in any other sport right now is any other player so far and away the best in the league. Because right now, Connor McDavid, like year in year out, year in year out, is the best player in the NHL, and there's not, it, there's no debate about it. It's not even a conversation the way he's dominating right now. And the Oilers last night, when they were went up five one versus Nashville, they're unstoppable. When yeah. Drysidle and him are are really are really going, and and it happens there so for, fast. Oh yeah, there's there's one play just off of the draw. I think it was um. I'm not sure if it was a power play or just five on five, but like Drysaddle took the draw and McDavid was in the bumper spot. So it must have been the power play. And McDavid was on the bumper spot. He just walked in and scored. Yeah. It was an un- like there's nothing. No matter who's out there, you could have five Bobby Orr's versus versus that Oilers lineup right there, and he scores. You, if you're up five one in the Oilers and they make it five two, you're in danger. <laughs> oh yeah, you're in danger. It happens really fast with that team. There are. There are times where they look like a discombobulated mess. They still have defensive warts. They don't always get the greatest goaltending. The 5-1 game versus Nashville ended 7-4. Like, that's not good. You can't do that. But they won. (laughs) Right. They put up seven goals. They didn't care about the other side of the ice. But a 5-1 shouldn't end 7-4. Did Gretzky ever get a Selkie vote? Probably not. I doubt it. Maybe. Who gives a shit? Like... (laughs) I don't know. I think nerds care about that trophy. It's me. <laughs> I'm nerds. Nerds. What a Steve's nerd. Steve's calling you out, nerds. I'm. It, no, it's me. I'm nerds. <laughs> like, you know, with Kadri for Selkie and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that went away. But, uh, yeah, he's he's on a mission. And, you know, he's one of those players where when Crosby got his cup in 2009, it was a coronation. And then when Ovechkin took longer and longer and longer to get his cup, it was like, if his career is over and he doesn't get one, it's going to feel wrong. We and got then he to, got it. Is he ever going to do it? Yeah. And then he got it and it felt right. Connor McDavid's going to get a cup. Mm-hmm. He's going to get a cup. It's probably going to be in Edmonton. When's it going to be? It's, uh, it's a situation where, as with Colorado, 
where if you just for the last like three-ish years, if you're like, oh, this is the season Colorado does it. This is the season Colorado does it. This is the season Colorado. Eventually, you're going to hit because one of these years, they're going to do it. The the reason they won, and Drew told me this, is because I stopped betting on them to win. <laughs> you did it for a long time, and I, then you bailed. I said they were going to win the 2020 Cup yeah. and the 2021 Cup. And then I was like, all right, fine. It's going to be, I don't even remember who I said for 2022. But then they won. I think you had Tampa. I remember, we for the put three-peat? Up, yeah, I think I'm maybe sure, I don't remember. I was um, pretty close. Yeah, they got there again. But um, you're, you mentioned earlier when we started this conversation that they unlocked something during the playoffs. I think that's so yeah. accurate because yeah. the playoffs is a different sport. Mm-hmm. It's a different game the way hockey is. And the fact that they were able to take that offense that they had that was so great during the, the beginning of regular season last year. Remember, mm-hmm. they fired their head coach. Yep. Like this, this wasn't a dominant 82-game team. They were awful for a large stretch of the middle of the regular season. They were great at the beginning. They were great at the end. And then they were great in the playoffs, especially mm-hmm. versus that Calgary series. And oh. they learned so many lessons. And sometimes all it takes for a team to get to the next step is to get to the cusp of the next step and then to lose and then to come back and be like, we're not losing again. This might be Edmonton's year. It's 12 games in, as we keep saying with all of these conversations. But yeah. Edmonton looks unfucking real What's the get some goal sending too? Well, then, <laughs> what's the cutoff for that? Because oh early. man, it's six games, it's nine games, it's twelve games, it's fifteen. It's is 20. it like American Thanksgiving? Like what? What is it? I think if I think American Thanksgiving is a good bar. You know, if you're out of a playoff spot, there it's kind of hard to climb back in. If you're like way out, I mean, yeah. like at the bottom, you know. Like someone tweeted me today, they're like, "You need twenty to twenty-five games to know what you got." And I'm like, "That is a long fucking time." If you're if you're like under five hundred twenty-five games in, if you're like five games under, that's hard. Yeah. You got to climb way out of that. And like we saw St. Louis do it in their Stanley Cup year, but like that's not it's rare. We got to stop. <laughs> I hate that St. Louis team yeah. just just for what they've done to the discourse. <laughs> Now every team thinks they can do yeah, it. Yeah, I don't have anything against the Blues. I just hate what they've done to the discourse. Anyone in last place in January is like, you know what, fellas? Here we come. We still got this. We got it. Shut up. Yeah, no, you don't. They've ruined it forever. The reason we talk about the Blues is because it's unusual. That's it's fair. Yeah, man. I hate what they've done to, to the discourse. What's, what's your date? Is, is Thanksgiving your date, too? I think you know what you are at December 1st at latest. Mm-hmm. Now, barring a major change. And this is what, you know, naturally I'm, I pre-argued in the car. <laughs> and, you know, but like, let's say the Leafs make some changes. And I'm, yes, I'm making it about the Leafs. A couple of trades in the middle of the lineup. They make some changes and like, who knows, maybe even they get a new coach. And then they turn it around. I know people are going to come around and be like, idiot. And I'm going to be like, what? They did all the things I said they needed to do and then started winning. I'm the idiot. I'm not sure about that. So like I say December 1st is the cutoff. I can think of a team who was shit by December 1st who wasn't the St. Louis Blues. The 2016 Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm -hmm. Well, 2015. 2015, 16. uh, Pittsburgh twice fired their coach midseason and won a Stanley Cup. Yep. Kessel couldn't do a thing. Uh, I think it was Mike Johnson. Mm -hmm. Johnston uh, got fired. Mike Sullivan comes on board. Mike replaces Mike. 
But like, that's a significant change. You fired your coach and I want to say they made a move and I can't remember what it was, but you fired your coach. That's, that is no insignificant thing. Right. So what, and what did the blues do? Fire their coach. Nope. Well, yeah, they did, but then they continued to be shit. And then they won. They got a goalie. That's true. They got a brand new starting goalie. Yeah. Like, you know, so maybe Pontus Holmberg is (laughs) the Leafs Jordan Bennington. I don't know. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? Also, the the fire and Keefe thing, if we want to go back to the Leafs briefly. Sure. I don't think it happens because I think you just run it out. No matter how dark it gets, the contract's over at the end of the season. Dubas's contract is over at the end of the season. Run them out. I don't think Dubas should personally feel a pressure to fire him. No. I'd be like, no, this is my guy. I'm going down with the ship. We're going down together. We're here. We're th- that's it. Unless Brendan steps in and fires him, his, like it's he's not getting fired. Nah. His no. his Dubis's mantra the whole time, and you know we can talk about the merits of him sticking to it, but I at very least uh, admire his willingness to stick to it. Is I'm gonna. This is what I'm doing, and if I got to go down with the ship, I'm going down with the ship. It's a it's a stubbornness that you can appreciate, I guess, because that's you, your guy. You can't be too jumpy either but the reason i'm calling for change with the leafs specifically is we have a body of evidence over years right again like i i hate that i have to start every conversation from the beginning but it's 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 not 10 games it's an accumulation of years but if they're last place january 1st they can do it because the blues did in 2019 (laughs) That's what we'll keep going back to. All right. Last of our trio of hot starts that are around the NHL that we want to shout out. The Boston Bruins. How dare you? You were supposed to be the team that fell out of of the uh, the Atlantic Division playoff race and the Sens were going to take your spot or the Red Wings or somebody's going to climb up in there and you were going to struggle with injuries all the start of the season. Then Marchand comes back early. You get the greatest goaltender in the world in Linus Olmark. And all of a sudden, the Boston Bruins are 9-1 and one to start the year. Oh, Are you kidding me? Jesse, I just got this really sore shoulder. D- don't mind if I pat it. <laughs> I had them ranked higher than any of you yeah, heading yeah, into the season. Yeah, I didn't yeah. have them first in the damn division. First in the league. league. Yeah. Nine I and one. But they don't lose. What's the word? Starts with an M. Magic. Oh, I was going to say muffins. Mm, do they have, yeah, they probably have good muffins in Massachusetts. <laughs> no, muffins that, are good. Where is Dunkin' Donuts from? Is it it's, from New York it's or a Boston? Chain. Yeah, but where's it from? I don't know. Starbucks is a chain. Where's no, it from? Like, oh, where's McDonald's from? McDonald's doesn't have a heritage to any location. Starbucks does. Starbucks does. Yeah, and we all know it. Yeah, yeah, we all know it's Seattle. So I'm asking. Oh my you god. A question about Dunkin' fucking donuts. Who gives a fucking shit? Me. <laughs> I asked the question. Um, anyway. Where where to be founded? They're good. How did you know? How did you do this? What? Dunkin' Donuts was founded in Quincy, Massachusetts. Let's <laughs> absolutely go! <laughs> I love it. Can I can I tell you why I thought it was founded in Massachusetts? Can I tell you why? I don't know why, Steve. Ben Affleck and Pete Blackburn. <laughs> why do they love Dunkin' Donuts? Yeah, both of them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I see Pete talk about them all the time but just all those photos of ben affleck you've never seen the photo of ben affleck 
carrying all the Dunkin' and I'm pretty sure he drops it. I had no, no, I had no <laughs> idea that Dunkin' Donuts was a Massachusetts thing. I had no idea he was fluent in Spanish, but we learned things from TikTok. Don't the we? headquarters is in Canton, Massachusetts, and uh, it was founded in 1950, 72 years ago in Quincy, Massachusetts. Let's go. Dunkin' Donuts. It is a Boston, it is a mass, mass whole thing. I love it. <laughs> I had I no idea. It. So anyway, <laughs> I said the Bruins had, listen, the most abused term in all of hockey is the last dance. We, d- basketball had an actual last dance. The NHL has never actually had it. Um, there are ones where you could go back and revisionist history, be like, yeah, this is the last dance or whatever. The lightning had last day of school. The context of the actual last dance is the greatest player of all time going for a sixth championship. And people are throwing this word out all the time in NHL circles. Be like, oh, the last dance. No, it's not the equivalent. But it's, it's rare that teams will go for it. And then pretty obviously set themselves up for at minimum a retool the next year. And that's exactly what the Bruins are doing. They're, Patrice Bergeron has probably already hit his games played bonus. Mm-hmm. Probably. Krejci probably too. So those uh, bonuses carry over to next season totaling, I don't know, three and a half, four million dollars. I don't know what the number is, but it's several million dollars that's going to eat into next year's cap. So the cap will not go up for the Boston Bruins next year. It will go down, right? That's bad. They got to re-sign David Pasternak. They got a lot of work to do next season, but they set themselves up. You know what? Bergeron's coming back. Krejci, get your shit from Czechia. Come back. (laughs) And, you know, hey, everyone, get your surgery in the offseason. And rest up, because we're going for it. And they're going for it. They're playing like they have no tomorrow. How many games, take a guess, is Patrice Bergeron's game played bonus? He gets... It's like 10. He gets $2.5 million yeah. if he hits this threshold. How much? How many games is that? I think it's 10. It is 10 games. Well joke. done. It's a joke. He did it. He hit it. $2.5 million. It was a joke. Also... Uh, shout out the greatest website in the world, Cap Friendly. Who has this information? Easily the best. How, how is this just available? Thank you, Cap Friendly. That's incredible that you have. Go that. look at Krejci's. Oh, let's check Krejci's. Yeah, it's uh, this cap is like a million bucks. It was just so they didn't have to give it to him up front. Like it was yeah. such a look at all those UFAs. Let me see. Uh, oh my god, that's a lot. That is a lot. So you can't even find Krejci because he's so oh, far he down. He's on IR right now. Oh, he is? No. Yeah. So he probably hasn't Games been played bonus, 1 million at 10 games, 500K at 20. 500K so, bonus earned for playoffs qualification. Krejci's only played eight games. <laughs> he's two away. So wait, a million for 10 games, 500K for 20, and 500K if they make the playoffs? Yep. That's $2 million. Yep. So him and Bergeron's bonuses that they will probably both hit total $4.5 million. And if it were any other team in the league, like, can you imagine the Leafs are like, yeah, we're yard sailing $4.5 million for next season. We'd be screaming to the hills. But it's the Bruins who are very obviously trying to do something here. They're, they're making it. They're making it and they're playing like 
this is it. And Linus Allmark, I got to say, let me pat myself on the back again. I have Allmark and Swayman in my pool and I, who I got off waivers and Allmark, um, undefeated heading into last night's game. Mm-hmm. And then the Bruins are losing and he's allowed five goals and gets yanked. And I was like, well, you can't win them all. And then I checked my score and Allmark got me a bunch of points. And I went, what? What happened? They came back and won. And he came back and won in a game where he got pulled. (laughs) He allowed five goals, got pulled. Jeremy Swayman came in. Jeremy Swayman left with an injury. Allmark goes back in. Uh, So the Bruins tie it. He's the goalie of record again. And then they win. He's still undefeated on the season. Legend. What are you showing me, Jesse? Uh, you have him too? team where I also have Linus Allmark. Oh, that's how I know same, I'm smart. We had the same uh, situation happen last night. I also have Allmark. It has been wonders for my fantasy team. You to have start one the year. goalie? Yep. What's your games played minimum? Three. Uh, ours is four. Oh, okay. It's that's- a little trickier with... Uh, with four games. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why That's why you're always like, why do you have so many goalies? That's why. Okay, okay. I, yeah. I still think you can you can stream goalies in that you can pick up the backup who's playing that week. I'm real close to dropping Demko. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Don't drop Demko. Oh, I really want to. Well, that's- the one we were talking about before the game, or before the show, if we can talk about hot starts, yeah. let's talk about slow starts. Jacob Truba. Yeah, Zero well, goals, that's, three assists. that's very specific to your fantasy team. <laughs> it's captain of the Rangers. Okay. That's, that's specific. Okay, but the Rangers aren't slow. Like, oh, okay. I guess you're right. I, I, I will not take the Rangers slander on this podcast. I don't think Kale McCarr scored either. No? Really? He might have won. He's gotten some assists. But the Avs uh, have gotten off to a bit of a slow start. Penguins. The Lightning. Although they had a pretty nice win yesterday. Yeah, Truba with uh, three assists, no goals on the year. Oof. Not a good start for him. Yeah. But they don't need it. They, they don't, don't need it. it at all. No? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you, are you, I guess are, we'll see. Are you trying to say I should be concerned? There, there is a hot start I think you've left out. Okay. And they're second in the Metro. They're, they're actually tied for first, the New York Rangers, tied for first with the New Jersey Devils, who hey. put on a show versus the Vancouver Canucks, who cannot play defense. Uh, just like the Anaheim Ducks, uh, the Devils walked all over the Canucks. Devils, one of the hottest, if not the hottest team in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, very disrespectfully, the la, the Vegas Golden Knights are running through teams right now. And there's one player kind of at the forefront of it that no one wants to give their due mm-hmm. because a lot of people spent a lot of last season talking shit about a player who just came off neck surgery and played with a broken hand, and that is Jack the Destroyer Eichel. He has looked fantastic. On revenge. That OT winner is one of the highlights of the year. That man is playing with anger and hatred in his heart (laughs) for the rest of the hockey world yeah he's running through teams man it's look out it's also gone underreported that after he got the he so he did disc replacement right yes in his neck yes so disc replacement surgery instead of the other one that the sabers wanted him to get spinal fusion there you go um 
two other players also got that same surgery. Tyler Johnson mm-hmm. with the Blackhawks. And I think a Panther, I forget. Oh, I forget. I forget the names, but two other players have since had that surgery. And Jack Eichel did it so the rest he walked so the rest of them could run, essentially. So And it's been fantastic. Look, his career's revitalized. He's back. I don't No pun intended. We we need we need you know maybe a little bit more research on this, but how much time needs to pass and what does Jack Eichel need to accomplish for us to call what he did heroic? Like, okay, Sabres traded him. Sabres are doing great. You know, it looks like the Sabres, you know, quote unquote, made the right decision. This has nothing to do with the Sabres. This has nothing to do. It doesn't even have anything to do with the value that they got back for Jack Eichel. Jack stood up for his bodily autonomy. He stood up for his health. He stood up for his, for the health that he's going to carry with him for the rest of his life. This is outside of the hockey part of this. He, he, as a star in this league, allowed himself to be the guinea pig. And he got it done. And look at him now. Yeah. Look at him now. Like, it's a really inspiring story. This doesn't need to be a fuck the Sabres thing. It doesn't need to be a him versus Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck. Mm-hmm. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with his employer wouldn't let him get uh, a newer surgery that didn't result in him getting cut open every 10 years. Yeah. It was something that had never been done. And when Jack Eichel gets inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, because that's probably going to oh, happen. the way He's his, got a ways to go. The way his career is going, he's probably going to be a Hockey Hall of Famer. That when we do a retrospective on Jack Eichel's career, that should be a part of his story and his journey. What he did for people who want to get this surgery that looks like it's a lot better for your body. He stood up for his health rights, which is very inspiring. Let's talk about one of the best contracts in the entire NHL. Because the Vegas Golden Knights, who literally have never heard of the salary cap. Bobby fell off. Oh, did it? Yeah, it just it just fell off there. You gotta pick it up. You gotta pick it up. You gotta throw it back. Thank you before I step on it. Yeah. (laughs) It's very poppies are very dangerous. Yes, they are. (laughs) Incredibly. Um one of the best contracts in the entire league from a team that has no idea how to work the salary cap, the Vegas Golden Knights. Who am I talking about? One of the best contracts in the entire league on the Vegas goal. It's not a goaltender. Oh yeah, it is. Oh, okay. Logan Thompson. Logan Thompson. Okay. He's played seven games. He's got a 938 save percentage. Let's He's go. An incredible start. Let's go. Incredible start. Do you know what I said in our season preview? I'm trying to remember. I said Logan Thompson would be good. Yeah. Let's go. And Aiden Hill is also there. He's doing very well. The difference being Aiden Hill makes, uh, I think two and a half million dollars. Logan Thompson at the end of last season, I believe signed a three year contract. That pays him. Uh Uh-oh, I clicked off the page. I got it here. It pays him. $766,667. This season, next season, and the one after. That is the best damn contract in the league. You got a non-ELC goalie who is playing as good as any starter in the league right now, 
signed to essentially league minimum for this season and the two after. Holy shit. Imagine he's just the starter there for under a million dollars for three seasons. And they, did, they didn't even draft him, I'm pretty sure. That's raw. They signed him out of Canadian University, if I'm not mistaken. That is absolute robbery no well so done. i'm wrong so he oh man like with the brandon weekings but like he was in the mjhl he played some games in the echl or no yeah. he's undrafted yeah he played for the binghamton devils undrafted. of the ahl the adirondack thunder of the echl and then brock university in 2018-19 this is an undrafted goalie unbelievable great Dude. start Unreal story, unreal contract, absolutely fantastic. The funny thing is, like, all he's done throughout his entire pro hockey career, and I guess university career, is be outstanding. And now that he's received uh, a decent shot in the NHL, he's outstanding. He was a 914 in 19 games with the Golden Knights in 2021. In yep. Henderson, for the Henderson Silver Knights, he was a 920. Uh, for the Henderson Silver Knights the year before, in 2021, he was at 943. All he's done at every single level is win and be great, and now he's just doing it at the NHL level. Shout out Logan Thompson. What were his numbers with the Stingrays? I saw he played for the uh, South Carolina the Stingrays South Carolina the CHL. Stingrays. He had a 2.25 GAA, and he was a 929. I know another goalie who was an amazing South Carolina Stingray and went on to have a really long and good NHL career. James Reimer, who won playoff MVP with them on their way to whatever the trophy is for the ECHL. I forget. How many players play U sports and make the NHL? Almost none. Like that's so, that's so rare. It's incredibly rare. U sports is uh, our NCAA equivalent for any American listeners. Yeah. Canadian university sports are, are definitely getting better, mm -hmm. um, but it's not, it's just not what it is in the States. It's good hockey. Like, it's... it's. But no, if you're talented, you don't play U sports. You play junior, and well, then you go to you go to major junior, and you, you play, and then you get drafted. But then you age out of junior, mm -hmm. and you're t still, like, 20, turning 21. You need somewhere to play, so you go to Ryerson, or whatever it's called, TMU? Uh, TMU, yeah. Toronto Metro. Toronto Metro University. Yeah. Sorry, I went there for four years, and it was called something else. <laughs> so yeah. um, so you, you go to TMU. Um, or something. But if you look up and down that roster, you're like, there's an OHL guy. There's an mm -hmm. OHL guy. No, but OHL those guy. guys, if, if they have NHL aspirations, they usually don't go to U sports. Almost never. They go overseas or they go somewhere yeah. else or they sign some sort of, uh, other contract where they're just, they're not a, it's not a pro contract. You know, it's usually you don't, a life decision. Yeah. If you go to play U sports, you're going to that university to get a degree to get into a field that you're going to be in for the rest of your life. Right. You're, to not play hockey. Yeah. Like a lot of guys like, okay, I can go get a Canadian, a, a degree at a Canadian university, or I could go play in the German second tier league and make like whatever they make in that league. Million bucks. Probably more than a university student. Oh, it's less than a million bucks. Oh, but yeah. like, even if it's grand. like a quarter mil. 250. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame people for being like, you know what? I'll make that and figure it out later. Mm -hmm. I'll figure it out later. No, that's it's so much more common to go that route as opposed to I'm going to stick around McMaster, you know, and, and yeah. do that. Nobody knows people. The most talented hockey players don't do that. So the fact that Logan Thompson went to Brock 
played 24 games and then was like, I'm going to keep going and then signs a, in the ECHL and then now is outstanding for the Vegas Golden Knights. It's very, very cool to see. The only uh, Brock University alumni in the NHL I can think of are Logan Thompson and Kyle Dubas. <laughs> <laughs> right, you you want to do a quick press conference? Sure. All right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> 